Hello and welcome to the Henrietta Christian Fellowship Podcast. The notes for the sermons featured here can be found at our website, henriettacf.org. Also, on Android or iOS mobile devices, you can find them on the Uversion app. Just click on search for live events and enter our zip code, 14543. Without further ado, here's this week's sermon. Sanctification, right? I, I, I started thinking this was going to be a, a short series, but I, I don't know. I think we're just going to take some time with it. Because every, every time I open the word to, to start you know, preparing for the next week, uh, <laughs> more is just opening before me. So, uh, But I shared the story about the, the, uh, the man who had the two sons. You know, we, we call it the story of the prodigal son, uh, but what we don't understand is that word prodigal, you know, prodigious, Okay, prodigal, it means like lavish, you know. And really the one who's lavish in this story ends up being the father, <laughs> okay. Um, and, and so there's these two places in the story. One is uh, when we see him embracing the son who had gone away and, uh, and, and wasted his father, father's living. All right, and, and it's in Luke 15, 20, it says this, but while he, meaning that this, this son that had gone away, was still a long way off. He's, he's making his way back home to come to his father and say, look, make me one of your hired servants. In other words, make me a slave in your household. You know, because slaves in your household are doing better than I'm doing right now. But I'm not worthy to be your son. That's what he's coming back to saying. And uh, anyways, his father doesn't even let him get all the words out. It says he, he, he looks, while he's still a long way off, he runs because he feels compassion. You have to understand, this is all from love, all right? And um, he felt compassion for him, and he ran, embraced him, and kissed him. Okay, so, so the father accepts this son who has, has gone astray. And, and, and the son tells the truth. He says, I've sinned against God and in your sight, and I'm no more worthy to be called your son. So what he's receiving at this point is grace, is a gift. All right, for his father to receive him back in. But then there's the older brother, and sometimes we can miss the older brother in the story because he's the good guy, he's the, he's the, he's the good kid. Uh, and, and he says to his father you know, that he served him all these years, he says, and, and, and he refuses to go into this party that's being held celebrating his brother coming home. And again, the father does not stay in the party and say, I'm just sick of, of, of this with him. You know, I mean, he's always this way, he's always, you know, touting his own righteousness and everything, and uh, let him sit out there. No, he doesn't do that. All right, he accepts. In spite of his error, he accepts the older son. And it said, the, and his father came out and began pleading with him. You know, he comes out and pleading with him. And then eventually he says this, and he said to him, son, you have always been with me, and all that I have is yours. All right, and so you know, he's pleading with him and saying, come. He says, but he's, he goes on to say that it was right for us to celebrate, for your brother was dead and he's alive. He's lost, he was found. He's, you know, it, it, this, it was right for us to celebrate this way. And you know, whatever your propensity is, okay? you know, I always say that when I'm going to preach on sanctification, you know, I've got to make sure you're good and saved, that you, that you understand that your salvation is a gift. You know, it's not, God did not look down and say, let me pick out the good ones. You know, I go to the refrigerator, and Marty, I've been picking out the chocolate-covered cherries that you gave us, okay? I mean, it's like, ah, I'm sorry. You know, there's, there's, there's ham and cheese and everything else in there, but the, the, I, I pick out the, the, the chocolate-covered cherries, okay? You know, I, I do that. You know, I go in there, and I'm, hmm, hmm, which ones? And I, and, I, and I pick the ones that please me, all right? But, but in life, God does not do that with us, all right? 
God does not look down on us and say, uh, this one pleases me, so I'll accept him. That one, ah, I don't think so. All right. In essence, what he does is he, he puts out this acceptance to all of us and says, come. Come. All right. And, 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 and then he gives us the faith to come. I mean, he provides everything that we need, you know, to receive this salvation. And, and so to understand this, that we, we're talking about this positional uh, sanctification. We're talking about, you see, everything with God. God establishes it and then brings us into it. You know, he builds a house and then we come and occupy it. You know, he provides salvation and invites us into it. All right, and, and, and we receive as a free gift. All right, there is not of works so that nobody can boast and say, well, I got here because of how good I am. All right, uh, that's your salvation. And so I just want to read this uh, from uh, Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 through 8. And just, I want you to hear this in the background of the story, that we are his children by his choice. God, God chose us. Right? Not, 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 not on merit, but he chose us, all right? It says this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, before you were even born, he chose you that we would be holy and blameless before him in love. Now, depending on where you want to put your punctuation. In love, he predestined us to adoption as sons. Whoops. In love, he predestined us to the adoption. All right? It's not, you know, we worked hard enough and got there. He predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself. Why? According to the kind intention of his will. To the praise of the glory of his grace, which he freely bestowed on us in the Beloved, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished on us in all wisdom and insight. I want you to understand, your salvation is locked down by grace through faith because of what Jesus did. All right? and, and, and God even provided you with the faith. Everybody's got faith. Atheists have faith. Uh, it's amazing you know, how, how strongly they cling to that faith that there's nothing out there. You know, I, I love to show them the, the little map of, of DNA. See, if you can explain that as an accident, you got more faith in what you believe in than I have in what I believe in. You know, because, yeah, I mean, what God did is amazing. But we're sanctified, all right? And uh, this is another one of those ones where God gave to us this positional sanctification. He said, look, I, I, I've set you apart. You're mine. All right? And... Um, and in this case, we are sanctified. In, in, the, in this passage we just read, that we are predestined to adoption as sons according to the kind intention of his will. So as you're set apart, you know, go to an orphanage. Not all the children are adopted. In fact, a great many of them are not adopted. But see, you are predestined to adoption. You, you God already had decided to adopt you. All right, so this being set apart, all right, that's... That's something of, of God's will and God's doing. So again, what does it mean? Uh, about It means to be sacred, sanctified. It means sacred or holy. To be set apart for God's holy purpose. And life is no longer divided into God's stuff and my stuff because I belong to him. I'm his. And I, and I love this. This is not some, oh no, oh, I have to be God's. You know? It's like, no, I mean, this is, this is great reason for joy in my life to, to know that I, I belong to him. And see, we have this... See, in America, we raise kids till they're like 18 or maybe 21, and then we do this thing called launching them, 
which means we kind of send them away. The culture that this was written to was not that way. All right? Look at the story of the prodigal son. You know, the one who got launched, okay, was the problem. You know, the one who was actually doing what was normal in the, in the culture was the older sons, staying there and being faithful within the family. I, I, I made a friend of somebody from the Middle East, and, um, and they had been here for a little while going to school, and they said, you know, it's, it's very different here. And I said, well, what do you mean? He said, well, the children. I said, well, what about them? He said, well, see, where I come from, everything comes from the family. He said, you know, my employment will come from my family. I, I can't get a job if I, if, I, if I go away from my family and decide I'm not going to do what they say, no one will hire me. The only way I would get a job is that my family, you know, would talk to people, would talk to people, would talk to people, and, and I would get a, a job. And, you know, most of the employment occurs actually within the family, you know, if you're, if you're a well-off family. And, um, and he said, I would never be able to marry, he said, if, 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 except through the family. I mean, everything happens through the family. And so this idea of when God says, you're my children, He's not saying, my children, I'd like to launch you. <laughs> He's like, I'd like you to come and, and live in my home. I'd like you to receive the benefits of what I've, what I've built and provided. You know, I, I've established something for you to be blessed in not only now, but in generations to come. Those who follow after you will, will receive this blessing that I've established. Right, it's, it's a different kind of mindset uh, that we're looking at here. And so this idea of being set apart for a purpose uh, had everything to do with relationship with God. You know, this relationship that I have with him as a child of God, all right, was, was one that meant, I have a place. I have an identity. I have, that was the other thing he said. He says, identity. Who are you? You know, I mean, if you don't belong to your family, uh, you know, if you're not part of this bigger thing, then, well, then, then who, if you're not part of that, then, then, then who are you? You know, your identity was even at, at uh, you know, in jeopardy, you know, if you, if you walked away from this. And again, this, um, Identification issue. We're going to take a little different look at it this week. That this controversy over ownership. Whose are you? And, um, and it's something we have to address. Second Timothy 2.19 says, Nonetheless, the firm foundation of God stands having this seal. This is the, the seal that's, that's, that's on this foundation that, that God uh, has established. This, again, this, this, this place that he's establishing for us, having this seal, the Lord knows those that are his. Okay? He knows those that are his. Now, again, we have this tendency, oh, so he's, he's picking favorites here. No, no. If you make yourself his, he knows it. Uh-oh, the back rows didn't get it. Hang on, be right back. Okay, yeah, no, see, you know, we normally think of this in terms of that, you know, if I, you know, that, okay, God knows which ones are his, so, you know, he's picked, he's picked his team, you know, Sandlot football, you know, you, you know, you pick your team, and, you know, you hate to be the last person picked, you know, it's, it's, it's not a, a pleasant place to be. All right. But he's saying he knows those that are his. He knows if you've made yourself his. He's made an offer. He's made provision. He's invited you in, and he knows the ones who have responded to that. All right. It has the seal. You know, the ones that are here are the ones who have accepted that invitation. They're mine, and I, and, and I know this. This is, this, you know, I, I, I worked at some places that had a lot of employees. And, uh, you know, the bosses never knew the names of all the employees. You know, and it was something special if they knew your name. And so, you know, people used to try to get the bosses to know their name because, you know, that might mean something good for you. But in this case, to understand, if you made yourself his, you are known by God. God knows you. And he knows you're his. 
And everyone who names the name of the Lord, see where, where the, the activity is? It's, it's, it's us. The one who names the name of the Lord and says, I'm his. And right, he says, look, here's, here's how you're going to establish that. God doesn't need this, but you know what? Everybody around you does. Right? And God desires that, that if, if you're his, that people see this about you. It says that um, everyone who names the name of the Lord is to abstain from wickedness. Now, there is something in our culture that hears the word wickedness and thinks, so I'm not going to have any fun, all right? You know, if, if, you know so I, well, is that what you're saying? You know, basically, it, it really comes down to that, you know, God has named the things. He has told us the things that are harmful to ourselves and to the people around us. He said, don't do those things. And, and, and I, those, that's wicked. You know, you know, that thing that does, does harm and that, that, that destroys, you know, life that comes to steal, kill, and destroy, you know, that, that, that thing, you know, abstain from it. Now, there came a point in my walk with the Lord where I started realizing that's like a privilege. That's a, I get it. All right, so when it says, it says in fact, that, you know, my friends, and, and the Bible says this, you know, they'll, they'll be kind of surprised, shocked by you that you don't run after the same things they run after. And I can remember my old drinking buddies, you know, that used to go out and just get plastered in the bars and see if we couldn't get our cars home without crashing them. Uh, you know, I, and they would come looking for me. And they could not figure out that this was not some grievous weight of commandments that I was walking under. Oh, and I can't go out drinking with my friends anymore. Oh, you know, I mean, it was not that way at all. No, it was, it was the great joy that it's like, you know something? It's kind of fun to just do these things that label me for my friends and let them think what they want, that I belong to God, you know, that I, I've made myself his. I've, I've, I've taken a new direction. And um, the same guy who was the worst of the bunch, <laughs> he hit this point where, you know, life was going nowhere for him, and he came looking for me, you know, because I was the, I, I was the one that was a little different. And uh, he came looking, looking for answers. And, you know, so we've kind of developed this, this relationship over the years where, at moments, <laughs> he's a little hard, but at moments, he just can't help himself. And he'll contact me and say, like, you know, some of the stuff's been going on this year in America. He goes, what is going on? This place like Sodom and Gomorrah. I didn't even know you knew what Sodom and Gomorrah was. <laughs> so, but, um, so again, uh, John 10, 14, Jesus said this, I'm the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. All right? I worked in a steel plant, and like you, nobody knew the bosses. <laughs> they walked through, you know, and you just you know, did your work and everything, but nobody knew them. Think about that for a moment, that, that not only does he, he know you as one of his, but you know what? One of the things that God invites us into is to know him. Just to know God. You know, I, I was hearing from somebody... Uh, their, their child uh, came to him and said, you know, they've been praying. They said, you know, I heard God's voice for the first time. And I thought, how wonderful. How wonderful. You know, that, uh, you know, whether, whether you, you're hearing it, you know, as, as God's voice or whether you're just knowing that it's God's revelation, whatever it is, but that, that God wants you to know something, that uh, you can know him. You can know him. Um, that, it, you know, it's not this like, whoa, God's like way up there. He, you know, I'm, I'm a speck of dust to him. Well, if you're a speck of dust, you're a pretty important speck of dust because he knows you by name and he cares about you. He loved you so much. So, sanctification involves both being set apart for God's purposes and purity of life. They're not mutually exclusive. They work together. 
You know, that, that one demonstrates the other. And uh, just those times when uh, it was a joy not to be obnoxiously self-righteous, but just, it was just a joy to be free enough to be able to say, no thanks, you know, when, when, when they were heading off to something that, uh, you know, and God did that kind of in waves, kind of, you know, putting me into the place he wanted me. And uh, so, Hebrews 12, 11 through 14. All right, uh, this, this thing about being trained by God, you know, and that it produces God's ways in us, and it's his way of making us his own. It's marking us as his own, that, that people can look at us and say, I bet you that's a Christian. That's a follower of Jesus there. You know, even though the disciples, when they're brought before the Sanhedrin, and they say, where are these people that are, you know, they're fishermen and stuff. I mean, tax collectors. I mean, how, where do they get all this from? And, says, and then they took note. They've been with Jesus. So, ah, that's what it is. You know, so, you know, this, this, he marks us as his own. All right, Hebrews uh, you know, 12, 11 through 14 talks us about how God produces that, and it says it's not always a pleasant process, but, you know, we, we rejoice in it because it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness. All right, the peaceful fruit of righteousness. Sometimes peace and righteousness, you know, we don't always put them together, but it's a peaceful fruit of righteousness. And so we are sanctified, all right, by, I'm trying to get the word all right out of my speech. It, it, it became the new default phrase. Like when I need a, a moment to pause and think, I say all right. So, so don't count. Don't count. All right. All right. I, I, I had somebody one time, had another phrase that, that I won't say because I'll pick that one back up. I was trying to get it out. And, and he was in somebody, it was, I, think it was, I think it was Iden that was, used to do this. He would come to me and say, 14. <laughs> well, you know, we all have our place in the body of Christ, you know. So. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyways, but we are sanctified. There's, there's, there's numerous ways, and we're, we're going to spend a little time in this section talking about being sanctified by the word of truth, which is something that the Father does. Okay, Jesus said, "Father, your word is truth. Sanctify them by your truth." All right. By the, by, we are sanctified by the blood of Jesus, the Son of God. All right, and then the Holy Spirit through His indwelling and ministry. You know, we're sanctified by Him. So. The way that we need to respond to the Word, because we're going to talk about the, the, being sanctified by the Word, is with God-given faith and God-given obedience. All right? There should be no shame. Or It says we, uh, we obey His commandments, and not, it's not grievous to us. It's not burdensome. It's not burdensome to us to, to, to walk in this obedience. It's, it's joyful. It's something where you think, this is cool. I remember the first time that, you know, because I was... You know, I, I, was, I was a sinner, for sure. Uh, of course, not anymore. I still need God's grace, don't we all? All right, so, but I remember, like, where God got me from, and I remember the first time I stood up to it and, and just said, no, <laughs> and, and didn't do what I always had done. And I remember thinking, that is cool. That's, 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 that's wonderful. That's amazing. I didn't even know a person could do that, to just stand up and say no. And so, but that's, God provides the faith. You need to exercise the faith. We're going to talk about being sanctified by faith and prayer at another time, but, uh, but right now, just we're going to talk about the word of truth. All right. 17, John 17, 17 through 19. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. For their sakes I sanctify myself, that they themselves also may be sanctified in truth. What he's saying is, look, I was sent into the world by the Father, and I sanctified myself. I set myself apart as holy 
and for God's purpose. He says, now I'm sending them out. And I'm glad that I, I set myself apart because now it's their turn and they can follow my example. Romans 10, 17. Faith comes from hearing and hearing from the word of Christ. All right? And faith is one of the means that God uses to sanctify us. And it comes by hearing. Now, this is before recorded stuff. And so the question that is raised here, how are you going to hear unless somebody preaches it to you? Okay. When, 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 when I, there, there came a point with this when I started realizing something about God's word. And that was that there was many portals through which God's word could come. <laughs> okay. I could read God's word. There you go. Silently, just look at that word. Just take it in through the eyes, and there you go. All right. There was, I, I, but then there's this, this other thing. Faith comes by hearing. And I started this practice, and, and, and I don't always do this because there's some places where just you can't. But when I read the Bible, if not exactly all of it, a lot of it, I'll read it out loud so my ears can hear it. Okay, I don't know if you've ever seen this whole thing about learning and how you know, the more senses you use, uh, the, the more likely you are to actually hang on to it. You know, how many people here are auditory learners? How many people are visual learners? Yeah, okay. So, so both are valid. Both are, you, you need both. All right, so, but this, this thing about faith and hearing, you know, that, that the things that I receive, that I say yes to, all right, that, that, it, that it comes to me. And so the Word of God... You know, I, need, I need to hear it. I need to, I need to see it. I need to experience. Sometimes I see the Word of God demonstrated in, in the people around me. And so it's more experiential. All right? So, Jesus said this in John 15, 3. You are already clean because of the Word which I've spoken to you. Now, Barnes, I love... Uh, Albert Barnes, uh, you know, his notes. And, and so occasionally I'll, I'll just quote a little something from him. This is what he said about that verse. It does not mean that they were perfect, but they had been under a process of purifying by his instructions all the time that they'd been with him. Okay? Jesus was not available on, on, on CD or MP3 download, okay? He had to be with him. All right, so, well, yeah, but you, you had to be with him, but then... The, the arrangement was is that then people would then walk out from him with having received what he had, and the empty download was you. Okay. You were the means of spreading it. Right. There were no 10-minute video summaries of the sermon uh, uh, back in those days, if you can believe this. You know? There wasn't even a Wegmans. You know what I mean? It's just, I mean we, didn't, we didn't have a Walmart. We didn't have a Kmart. We didn't have, it was just you know, these people, and everything was being done through them. But I, I want you to understand, God still, to this day, prefers to do things through through people rather than through mechanisms. Mechanisms are fine, but there needs to be, at some point, this connection between us as people and the people that need to hear this message. He had removed their erroneous notions of the Messiah. Right? They had all kinds of uh, thoughts about what the Messiah was going to do, and he, he, he had to remove. He had to take stuff out in order to make room for the right stuff. He had gradually reclaimed them from their fond and foolish views uh, respecting earthly honors. He had taught them to be willing to forsake all things. And he had so trained and disciplined them that immediately after his death, they would be ready to go and bear fruit among the nations to the honor of his name. Okay. You are already clean through the word that Jesus has spoken to you. And you're thinking, but I'm not perfect. 
No, but you are in a, a, a place of where, where God is, is, is desiring to take this word and write it in your heart. You know that thing where somebody asks you something, you don't know what to say, and you kind of go, hmm. I say, that's the key that opens up this, this vast thing inside of our brain. We go, hmm, like this, hmm. You know? And all of a sudden, all the different things that we think you know, start to you know, kind of pour out, and we think, hmm, which of these thoughts is going to help me answer this? Well, God wants to fill the hmm inside of you. All right? And he's been doing this. Again, I talked last week, why do, we, why do I bathe you in the Word? And I, by the way, I bathe myself at the same time. And, and usually for many hours before you see me here, just in that Word, letting God do what He does with His Word. Now, every Word of God is tested. I, I looked up that Word. It's a metallurgy term. And basically what it is is that, uh, and I used to see them do this at the steel plant. They would, you know, very carefully check and test to make sure that whatever it was we were supposed to be pouring into those molds, that this metal met those specifications. All right, so, so you know, I remember the first time somebody who was a leader in my life recommended a, a book to me, and I was kind of like, you know, I wasn't, I, I wasn't liking the book, and I said to him, I said, why you got me reading this? And he looked at me and said, chew the meat and spit out the bones. You don't have to do that with God's Word. Because right, every word of it is, 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 is tested, it's proven. You know, that this, this is from God, and so I, I, can, I can receive this, and, uh, you know, and when I find myself in disagreement, I try to figure out what's wrong with me, not what's wrong with it. There's nothing else on this earth other than God's Word that I do that with. I mean, medicines from the store, <laughs> I'm not that confident in. All right? It's just... But every word of God is, is, is tested. Ephesians 5, 25 through 27. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church. Look what Jesus does for the church. And gave himself up for her so that he might sanctify her, set her apart for God's holy purpose, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word. We're going to come to that a little bit. Uh, that he might present to himself the church in all her glory, having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she would be holy and blameless. All right, so there's this washing work that according to 1 Thessalonians 2.13 is something that God is performing in you who believe. If you're a person who believes in Jesus, whatever stage of life you happen to be in, right, then this word, as you take it in and it's in you, God is doing a work in you through that word. And I'm not kidding you. We, we, at Teen Challenge where I worked, we would get people in who had blown their minds on drugs. I mean, I mean uh, literally, the one guy, Billy, in particular, I picked him up at the airport and, and he had a stewardess on either side and a note. My name is Bill. By the time I get to Rochester, I probably won't know who I am or why I'm there, but somebody from Teen Challenge will pick me up. Ten months later, he was playing keyboards for one of the traveling uh, choirs uh, that we had. Uh, he had never played an instrument before in his life, and his mind was completely restored. I might ask, well, by what means? Well, it was miraculous. It was something God was doing. We just had people, somebody assigned to him at all times. We, we had somebody assigned to him to make sure he ate and everything else, too. But their job was, if there's a law, get your Bible out, ask him if there's something he'd like you to read to him, and if he doesn't say anything, pick your favorite verses and just you know, start reading them. And we, we found there were certain parts of the Bible that seemed to, I don't know, God would just use them more powerfully in these people. But he was not the only one. I mean, we, we had lots of people where God just started doing a work of healing in the mind uh, just because his word was being put in there, and it was doing the work in them. 
I can't take credit for it. I, we, we just did what we thought we should do. Sometimes we just experiment and we're crazy. We didn't know what we were doing sometimes, but, you know, we just hang on to the things that worked. Very practical. At that level, people are, are living at survival, and you don't mess around. But I want to suggest, and this is the most practical part of this message. If you got a part of your, your, your thinking that stinks, okay, you know, something, I don't care what it is. You know, maybe your attitude at work stinks. You know, maybe your attitude in relationships stinks. Maybe, I don't know. We all got places in our thinking that stink. Right? They're, they're, I mean, I remember one time I got into my car and was like, oh, man, what's that? Arr! You know, and I dug around the car and I'm looking, looking. I found a, a potato. It's about three years old. I don't know. But anyway, I don't know why I had just recently started singing, but I have no idea how long that potato had been there. But, but I knew something stunk. And we all have this suspicion about our thinking that somewhere in here, I got these thoughts that always get me into bad places, and maybe there's something wrong with the way I'm thinking. I want to just have you just try this. With that area of your thinking, read your Bible. Do not study it. Do not cogitate upon it. Just wash your brain. Just read it, 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 and watch what happens. It's, it's, it's an amazing thing. Uh, you know, I, I spent a lot of time, you know, in bars, drinking, and my, my brain was hanging open, taking in whatever happened to be flying around the room. And, uh, you know, I had a lot of stinking thinking. So that's somebody else's phrase, by the way, stinking thinking, but stinking thinking, both in the dictionary, right? So, and I had a lot of washing out to do. All right, I'd been raised to be an atheist. All right, I had a lot of crazy ideas that needed some washing. And to go through and surgically, you know, you know that thing where you get sent by your parents to clean your room, and you got all this stuff that you really don't want to get rid of, and so you're trying to you know, be very gingerly about it and figure out what should go where, and trying to figure out some way to make this work because you want to hang on to all of it. Well, there's times with your thinking you just can't do that. And so you have to say, well, there's only so much space in there, and there's only so much of that space that I'm going to be accessing and using. Those of you that are computer people understand what I'm talking about better than most, all right? That, you know, you, you, you do not equally access everything on the computer, all right? There are some parts of the computer, just, you know, those that program and everything, it's just easier to get at and it's quicker and everything. And your brain's like that, you know, just, I would just encourage you, those areas of your thinking, read the Bible, read the Bible, read the Bible, read the Bible. And when you're done reading the Bible, read the Bible, you know, and just wash it out, just wash it. With the, and, and there's this sense of just this constant inflow of God's Word that has this way of just cleaning stuff out. But then there, there, there's something beyond that. And um, I, there's a dozen different ways that I, oh, the illumined Word. That one of the jobs of the Holy Spirit is to illuminate the Word. All right, I, I pick up my Bible and, uh, wow, that's an awful lot of words for me to say, I'm living according to the Scriptures. I'm very careful with that phrase anymore <laughs> because it's a very, very big book. And I, I, I satisfy myself with saying, you know, I, I really am endeavoring to follow Jesus. And uh, this, 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 this word is, is, is what tells me how. But there's, you know, th there comes a point in your walk with the Lord when it comes to this whole thing of sanctification, of being sanctified by the word, where you get into a practice of reading the Bible. I'll say daily, okay? And, um, you know, and you read through and you wait for that moment when all of a sudden the Holy Spirit just says, you know, there's just this, this some, some verse on the page. They, they'll say, it, leaped, it leapt off the page to me. All right, it just jumped out at me. 
All right? And that's the Holy Spirit. Well, sometimes it's just because it was a cool verse and you like it. But, I mean, you, you learn to discern, you know, when it's the Spirit of God doing it. And also you realize, whoa. And sometimes in that moment you will say, I have no idea what on earth I would need that Bible verse for, but I'm going to tell you what, by 48 hours, you'll know. All right? Because God is setting you apart with his word, all right, by taking that word, just lifting it off the page to you. All right, and so you get to the place where there's some scriptures you know better than other people, and other people know one's better than, uh, other ones better than you. That's because God is dealing differently with us as individuals, and he was working in us. He's, he's at work in there. You know, in that innermost being, that place where we live life from, that uh, Proverbs 4.23 talks about, you know, guard, keep your heart with all diligence because out of it are the issues of life. But, so I live, you know, if you say, do you feel alive? I don't go, yeah, I feel alive. Oh, there's something in here. You know, I, I, I just know that's, that's where life resides for me. Somewhere there, this innermost being, this, 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 this life that I, I believe goes on forever, it's here somewhere. And, um, and God's at work in there. All right? To will and to do according to his good pleasure. He's working in there. He's doing something inside of me. And so this, this practice of, of spending time in the Word and, and seeking for God to just lift off the page to me, that part of this Word, 66 books, big, big book, what part of it is for this season in my life, for this moment in my life? Right. And then there's this third thing that I'll talk to you about, being sanctified, set apart by his word. And, and it's what I would call the deeper works. And um, I think God desires to bring all of us to this place. I don't think everybody will go to this place. But it's that place where you recognize there are things that are way down deep, knitted into your character, knitted into to who you are, knitted into your experience in life, knitted into the thoughts that you think and the relationships you tend to form and the way that you pursue those. It's just, it's so much a part of you that it's hard to discern that that might not actually be me. That I could do without this, that, uh, that I could actually be better off if God dealt with that thing and, uh, and freed me from it. This deeper work thing. You know, there are things that we find our confidence in. All right? One of those things for me growing up, if you can believe this, was my intellect. All right? I mean, I, I had this great confidence that my intellect would always solve all my problems. God had to fix that. But will I let him? Okay. There's a lot of immaturity, and what I mean by that is not like you're childish, but notice you never quite attained to the place that God had for us because... We won't let him do that deeper work that actually goes to the, to the core of it and really starts to make us followers of Jesus in ways that, you know, they're, they're just more powerful. Just, there's more of an impact to them. You know, this deeper work, you know, of just saying, God, there's something that, you know, by your Spirit, the convicting power of the Holy Spirit, I just recognize isn't right. I don't know how to fix it. I, I, I haven't a clue as to, to what to do about it, but God, I'm asking you, you know, do this deeper work. And then as you start reading the Word, things start occurring to you. You think, I must have read that Scripture a hundred times. All of a sudden, I'm seeing something I never saw before, and it's hitting me right in this place that I've been praying about, this deeper work. And understand that, see, this being sanctified by the Word, you can start off with it as a child. You can start off as an, a, an adult that's still at, at the place of a child. Because all it requires is read it, read it, read it, read it, read it, okay? Or listen to it, listen to it, listen to it. Get it, get it you know, get it, get it on MP3 download or something. They have 
apps on the, there, you can have it read the Bible to you. It's okay, but just get it in. You know, you can take that extra step and, and go for that illumined word. Holy Spirit, show me the things that are for me in this season of my life, in this day, in this moment, this situation, and just that deeper work as well. You know, this washing transforms us so that we can prove what the will of God is. It's another metallurgy term, and it means the same thing as, as when it said every word of God is, is, is tried, it's tested, okay? And so Romans 12, 2, and we're familiar with this one, it says, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed, that metamorphosis, the, you know, what a caterpillar does to become a butterfly. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. And so, you know, this transformation that God's wanting to do, you know, he's, he's talking about all three of those things we just were talking about, but in the end, he, he desires to draw us in this place where we'll open up and say, God, do, do the whole thing. Do what you want to do. Show me what you want to show me, and, and, and let's, let's, let's get this done. Let's do it. You know, if, if, I, if I'm proud, if I'm egotistical, if I'm too often angry, you know, God, what, what is that? You know, I, I never get up in the morning and say, God, oh, let's see, I think I'll spend 20% of my time being angry today. You know, it's not something I plan. It's not, it's just, it just happens. Why does that happen, God? Right. I, I, I had a friend, and sweetest thing on the planet, except for once in a while. And this mean streak would come out, and ow! And uh, we were good enough friends where I could say, you know, have you ever noticed that you got a bit of a mean streak there? I said, because, ow! And I said, that's going to that's gonna affect your life at some point, and so you really need to deal with this. And so we began this long process of just dealing with it. But be transformed by this renewing. All right, the word that is washing and transforming us is not paper and ink. Now, it's expressed to us in paper and ink, hallelujah. <laughs> I mean, if you made me go get all of this stuff by spiritual infusion or something, I, I, it might be a, a bit tougher day. All right, but God does write it down for us so that we can look at this word. But in the end, you know, John, well, actually at the beginning here, John 1.1, 1, 1. in the beginning was the word. Ah, good, there we go, there's the word. And the word was with God. Uh-oh, and the word was God. All right, to understand that Jesus, this expression of what God has to say, all right, is, is this word. So when you're reading that Bible, understand something. There is powerful potential in God's desire to make that word alive to you that when I read that word, this is Jesus ministering to me. You ever have those moments when you read and you think, man, I, I would have liked to have been there and seen that. But just so you know, the things that God put in there, he didn't put in there just so you'd have cool stories to read at night. Uh, he put them there because he desires to do these things in you. And that, that, so this word is a lot. Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, and piercing as far as the division of soul and spirit. So this is the deeper work. He's saying it'll do the deeper work. It'll go down to the places you cannot discern to always understand. When is that my soul just kind of taking me somewhere? Or is my mind, will, and emotions just leading me? And when is it actually the Holy Spirit at work in me taking me the way God wants me? And it says that word will, 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 will take it right down and show you the difference so that God can do that deeper work. It says, and it also the dividing of joints and marrow. And it's able to judge the thoughts and intents of the heart. We are so bad at that. We are, you know, think about how we defend ourselves. 
Anybody ever has the nerve to tell us we've said something wrong or done something wrong and how quick the defense comes up? I mean, I, I'm driving to the, to, the, to the hospital to go see uh, Kenny in the hospital, and, 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 and I'm kind of at that edge where I'm kind of pushing the speed limit, and, I'm, and I'm, I've got the justification in my mind if the cop stops me. All right, we do this. We, we already have the excuse that we haven't been stopped yet. All right? And, and, and we, we have this little justification thing that works inside of us. All right, it says, but the Word is able to, to, to discern and show us, you know, what it is with the, the thoughts and the intents of our heart. Okay, it's the sanctification thing that God's trying. It's not an unpleasant thing. Well, it can be unpleasant at times, but it yields this, this wonderful fruit in our lives. And so finally, sanctification changes our heart which is where our life is, okay? It changes our heart and what comes out of it. Colossians 3, 15 through 16 says this, Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to the which, indeed, you are called in one body, and be thankful. Wow. I remember a, a guy used to come to the office, and uh, he, he had mental health issues that just wouldn't end. And anyways, and he kept, you know, it, it, the, the mental health issues were somehow tied to, you know, some things he was doing in life that were really wrong. And anyways, and he would just keep saying, man, if I just knew more of the word, if I just knew more of the word, if I just knew more of the word, I said, I'm going to do something for you. I wrote down three scriptures, like this kind of scripture. All right, wrote down three scriptures. It says, go home, memorize these scriptures, and spend the rest of your life trying to live up to those three scriptures. I said, you'll be the most wonderful Christian walking the planet. I said, it's not, it's not about complexity. It's just about, you know, what's your heart? Let, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you are called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you with all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. You know, this is a description of God sanctifying somebody. All right? And so, as I say so often, and I'm going to say it one more time, then I'm just going to pray and say amen and let you go beat Henrietta Christian Fellowship. But if we just hear this stuff, Okay, if you say, wow, I've been to that church seven years, I've heard some really cool stuff. No, you know, it's this. Something, some, some, some morsel of what you just heard. Let the Holy Spirit just make that alive to you today. All right, that's what I'm going to pray. Make that alive to you today. Make that alive to me. Trust me, I, I get... I get rolled over by all of everything that I say to you. God deals with me about it before I talk to you. And if he hasn't gotten done by the time I get up here, like last week, I don't know if you saw me after service, but the way he's let me kind of, you know, work me over a little bit in a wrestling match. But, you know, so please understand something, something of this message. Let it, let it abide in your heart. Let it stay there. And let, it, let God use it to do his work in you. You know, that, that, that a year from now, we can look back and say, wow, look what God has done. You know, I, I, I remember there was this one thing that was said in church, and I grabbed a hold of it, and the Holy Spirit used it. And, and, and look at the fruit in my life today. See, that's what it's about, is, is walking this out and living this out. And, you know, don't get frustrated and give up too easy.
Thanks so much for listening to this podcast brought to you every week by Henrietta Christian Fellowship, located at 1085 Middle Road in Rush, New York. If you have a prayer request or a need, we want you to know that we're here for you. Please send us an email at henriettacf at gmail.com. That's henriettacf at gmail.com. Once again, thank you for listening, and God bless.